Well, what has BYU gained from the transfer portal, Spencer? I've had people ask me, the Nakua's? Yeah. Did that work out for BYU? You think? Yeah. Holy cow. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. He is Riley Nelson. He is the radio analyst along with Greg Rubel as the Cougars get set for the New Mexico Bowl. Riley, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Good to be with you this morning, fellas. All right, let's start with uh, the huge elephant in the room, which is BYU's current roster and coaching staff turnover. There's been a ton of it. What are your expectations given the depleted roster that's available for the bowl game and the limited number of coaches. Yeah, boy, uh, you gotta, every game's important and momentum's a real thing and carrying a loss into the off season. While, while it can be motivating for the existing roster, it's hard to recruit off of. And, you know, you talk about limited coaches giving the, that some have moved on and the changes that have been made, but also I know the ones that are on staff are the hit recruiting hard in the transfer portal and and trying to lock up high school players and really get a, a strong class to head into their first year of the Big 12. So, hope, look, we've been hearing all year from Coach Sitake, and hopefully it's not just coaches speak, but he's talked about the maturity of the players on the team, the strength of its leaders, and hopefully that they can organize and through, you know, through the entirety of this season have developed the skills to where they can prepare uh, given the fact that you know the position group might have a couple less guys, or the coaches leading the drills uh, might not be the ones that started the season with them. Yeah, it's tough because uh, if Jaron Hall doesn't play, it's it's it looks tough. Uh, given how SMU's playing and what they have offensively, with Rasheed Rice and Tanner Mordecai and company. Defensively, they give up a lot though, so maybe this is a situation where the BYU offense can do something. But let's say. Uh, Jaron Hall doesn't play if he can't play. Cade Fennigan, we've seen him play, but against BYU, not at BYU. What do you expect in a bowl game in this situation if Cade Fennigan is the guy at quarterback? Uh, I mean, what do I expect? It's probably not as high as what my hopes are. My hopes are being that Roderick architects a system very similar to what we see. You know, he's to me, he kind of – well, he has never been a coaching tree or whatever. He's kind of a disciple of what Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and some of these other guys uh, have established. In they've, you know, they got, they got wide zone and ideally it's play action. It's a very quarterback friendly system. And what we've seen from uh, San Francisco, right, is they've been able to plug in a guy like Brock Purdy, start the season with Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo. Plugging, you know, they've been through three quarterbacks, yet they still sit atop the division in the NFC West. What I'm like, best case scenario, what I'm hoping for is that they're able to plug Cade Finnegan in. He's a kid who's obviously had D rep or reps at the D1 level before. He's, uh, you know, he's not a fresh daisy by any stretch of the imagination. So he should be able to have the maturity to go out there, make good decisions, stay poised and calm and within uh, the elements of the offense and, and be able to produce. That will be his production and the offense's production overall will be largely dependent on the uh, performance of the O-line. So if those five dudes up front are getting ready to play, then, then great. And then defensively, hopefully, you know, you got a bunch of young, hungry guys or, or guys who are maybe getting their first opportunity to really shine or, or get their first start or, you know, play 60 to 70 percent of the snaps for the first time and that they're hungry and they want to get an edge on a, on 
perhaps a position battle going into spring or next year and all those things. And, and that you get, some, you get a surprise performance out of the defense. Uh, so that's a best-case scenario. What I expect is that this is going to be uh, a dogfight. I, like, bottom, I'll, I'll just call it. Like, I think if, if SMU wins, it could very easily be a double-digit victory. If BYU wins, the real path to victory I see is a, a hard-fought game with you know, perhaps a score late in the fourth quarter, but definitely within a touchdown. Riley, how much would a win impact the state of BYU football right now, and a loss for that matter? Eight and five looks so much better than seven and six, and I, I know it's just a difference of one game. But eight and five heading into to Big Twelve, and given the turmoil, and uh, you know, I, I know not every one of our viewers pays attention to what goes on on Twitter, but it, if you're even kind of on the periphery. You've heard about some of the, the drama and all the emotions and, and the stuff like that. And it's just been a, a drama fought season or fraught season. So if you can end on an emotional upswing, healing heals a lot of wounds. I will continue to say, like, chemistry for me is such an interesting thing in sports because have you ever heard of a team that's won a championship and admitted that they didn't have good chemistry? <laughs> <laughs> no. That, that chemistry is only associated with losing. So, you know, it, is it the chicken or is it the egg that, that comes first? But uh, so winning heals a lot of wounds. Um, I know that Coach Sitake is – we know by the changes that he's made, and I love the Jay Hill hire. I love Kelly Papinga coming back to BYU. I think – that will have significant cultural impact. I know they're going to make some strategic decisions, maybe not about football scheme, but at least their approach to strength and conditioning and some other things. So I like the moves that Kalani's made, but, man, a win helps uh, provide some win for your sales heading into the offseason. And I would even say more for the fans even than for the program. Yeah, and, and listen, when the present is inconvenient – or, or bad. You just push it forward, right? It's a defense mechanism. If BYU loses, we'll just go, hey, Big 12, reset button, all good. If BYU wins, we'll be like, hey, nice recovery. Uh, and then uh, either way, we're going to the Big 12, whatever. You mentioned the defensive staff and this, this new look uh, coaching staff with strength and conditioning and whatnot. I want to ask you about defense and then strength and conditioning. There are two more positions available on the defensive staff. What does BYU need in those coaches, in your opinion, that we perhaps uh, anticipate could be safeties and defensive line? Yeah, and what's interesting, you mentioned the positions, uh, honestly, from my point of view. And keep in mind, right, I've never, I've never put together a staff, and, and I don't know how hard it is to recruit guys like this and that. But I don't – at this point – I don't care that much about like a guy's ability to scheme or even coach up, coach up a technique heading into the big 12 one or one, if not both of those positions need to be coaches with, with strong established successful recruiting ties into big 12 country, primarily Texas, just because we know about the, the gross number of talent and players that exist in that state. You need, in my opinion, uh, you need to start those pipelines uh, as early and as successfully as you can. Ultimately, what will establish and strengthen those pipelines will be success in the conference, wins. I think that's what players care about above all else. But relationships can kind of give you a head start on that. So I'd like to see that. And and I think if we look at where, at least by my evaluation, where is BYU going to struggle the most in the transition? I, I don't think like BYU is going to get shut out and average 13 points a game. I think they're going to find a way to score points and offensively put together, uh, you know, a complement of offensive players, regardless of who moves on, that can be able to have success in the Big 12. 
not to mention everybody plays bad defense. <laughs> but it's the, it's the Big 12 deep. It's the defense heading into the Big 12 that, you know, uh, uh, if we can't get some, you know, get a really strong, deep defensive set uh, of roster players, uh, 30, giving up 35, 40 points a game is a very real possibility. Riley, because you are a quarterback and because you know what Jaron Hall means to this team and what the departure of Jaron Hall would mean to the state of BYU football, what's your pitch to any quarterback out there in the transfer portal that's thinking about playing at BYU and helping the Cougars transition into year one of the Big 12? There'd be no better opportunity to um, to show what you can do as a leader and as far as, you know, to what the kids say, putting your team on your back, uh, then to take over a team making the jump from uh, FBS independent into a Power 5 conference, right? Um, you will be, with the absence of I'm a COVID junior, essentially what we have is a fifth-year senior in, in Jaron Hall, who if he decides to move on, Anybody coming in would come in and as a transfer, and if they can have immediate success, I know NFL evaluators and coaches would, from the intangible aspect, you know, they wouldn't question that guy. They'd be like, holy cow, that situation is not one that is conducive to success, and this kid came in and was able to, able to deliver. So that would be on that side of a, any potential player's evaluation. And then on the other side of the evaluation, it's like come play, in, in my opinion, the most entertaining conference in college football where you've got incredible talent. You've got NFL talent on the field every Saturday. Uh, per, you're a quarterback, so you know even the, the lower-end teams of the Big 12 are still putting up points and yards. You're going to have opportunities to play in great stages. You know, come take your shot. Come help. You know, one of the maybe a quip I'd throw in there is help us continue our winning streaks against Texas, Texas and Oklahoma before we send them <laughs> to the. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I play on some of those things, and then and then my last element of it would be. If you want to be pro ready, there's no better place than BYU. Look at our film. Look at look at uh, where we were able to play Zach Wilson in the NFL draft. Jaron Hall is a draft pick. Hope you know maybe by the time you're recruiting a kid, he's he actually has his position. But he, by all accounts, is an NFL draft pick. We run a system that when you turn on the TV on Monday or sorry on Sundays, you see you know something very similar to the same offense that we run. So. Uh, so I would say all those opportunities for college, and then it would be hard-pressed to uh, – I, I would challenge a recruit to find a, a resume in the Big 12 currently. Um, you know, a regime in place, you, obviously there's Oklahoma, but that was all Lincoln Riley. Look at a Big 12 school that's put out uh, higher caliber uh, NFL talent than BYU, and you'd be hard-pressed to find it. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Who's in and who's out on the actual roster and on the coaching staff for that matter? Jaron Hall, still not officially ruled out as we just documented a quarterback, but a bunch of other starters will not They're play. They're never going to say, yeah, he's ruled out. Of course not. It's no. gamesmanship, it's right? Gamesmanship. It's gamesmanship. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of other starters will not play, and we know for sure of that in the New Mexico Bowl, and we'll get to the specifics of that in just a moment. And, of course, again, the coaching staff, who's available to coach BYU's defense? Kalani Satake, Gennaro Guilford. That's it, man. 
Everyone else is gone. Some Gavin Fowler in the mix as an analyst. Yeah, right? you can use all the analysts. Yeah, of course. Jerem, with BYU's current roster and coaching staff turnover, what are your expectations for the New Mexico Bowl in 2022? I hate to say it, but I expect BYU to lose. Like, if BYU wins, it'll be awesome. And, and BYU needs to overcome a few things to do so. If Jaron Hall can't play, Cade Finnegan's got to have a good game. He's got to manage this game effectively. He doesn't have to throw for 300. Christopher Brooks, though, and Hinkley Ropati and Miles Davis, though, they need to maybe run for 300. We've seen that in two games this year where BYU went 300-plus. They're coming off a season-high 358 at uh, Stanford, and that was a winning formula when Jaron Hall went out. Now, Jaron played well and threw some touchdown passes, of course, prior to that. But my expectation is that BYU is going to have to do something drastically different if Jaron Hall cannot go. He has not been ruled out. I don't expect BYU to rule him out. They want SMU to prepare for Jaron Hall. But, uh, you know, with Jacob Conover gone, it would have been the same thing, which is, sorry, who's doing what? Uh, we haven't seen this kid play. That would have applied to Jacob, too, even if he was here. But uh, perhaps it's, it's Cade's show. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if Jaron doesn't play, as you pointed out, he will not have played in a bowl game at BYU. Which so is, weird. Which is pretty odd. The defensive staff is depleted. This, this BYU defense has given up 30-plus a game, 440 total. They've had issues this season, certainly. doesn't help when most of the staff is gone. Like, I don't imagine it suddenly being better because you have fewer coaches there. So that concerns me as well. And then uh, here's the deal, though. Regardless of what happens, win or loss, we're going to flush this result down the toilet. You think? Because the Big 12 is next. I turn back to the 2015. We'll be excited that BYU recovered and won eight games, but given that the expectation was like nine and a half, it's not going to be up to snuff, and so we'll just move on to the next thing soon after that. If it's a loss, I 100% agree with you. Yes. If it's a win, <laughs> like, dude, within days, we'll be like, Big 12, Big 12. Um, either way. Remember 2015 BYU lost to Utah? We didn't sulk in that. What we did was get excited about the new hire and announcement of Kalani Sitake. Great PR move by BYU in the press box at Sam Boyd Stadium. They announced that Kalani was the coach. Kalani wasn't even there. It was just, hey, we're hiring Kalani, a.k.a. this is over. This season is over. Yeah, yeah, Who cares? Yeah. Like, So I don't expect a ton from this bowl game. I would love for BYU to win. I'm also intimidated by the way SMU is playing. The last seven, as I mentioned, five and two, the two losses respectable. Close to Cincinnati, blowout loss to Tulane, who's the New Year's 6 G5 team. They're playing good ball. BYU is coming in depleted. Yes. This is UAB part no, no, two. It's not even that good there's for BYU. There's no Tyler Algier. It's, there's no Baylor exactly. Romney. Exactly. It's not that good for like, BYU. I, I know I'm probably supposed to sell the ball game because we've got a pregame show, but I, I am interested to see that if BYU's defense can play better than it has, and then somehow that run game saved BYU. Even if Jaron Hall plays this, this still might not be a BYU win. Like, this is interesting on a lot of fronts. I hope BYU pulls it out. For sure. Yeah, and you said it. This is the Independence Bowl, but BYU's in worse shape than they were going into that game against UAB. And you don't have Tyler Algier. You have your third-string quarterback, we think, most likely will start in Cade Finnegan. <laughs> Who was injured. Who is also... You know, recently, yeah, coming out of a boot with an ankle injury. So what's BYU going to get from Cade Fennigan? What am I supposed to expect when this roster is now depleted more so than last year's roster was going into the bowl game and the coaching staff has been turned over? Like, what? Is it fair to expect BYU to go in this game and win? Oh, yeah, BYU, it, no problem. Next man up. It is not, but we will do so regardless. 
I do expect to be surprised a little bit by Cade Finnegan. I, that, that's, yes, I, please. I expect that. Please. It's like, oh, okay. Look at that. Yeah, look at look that, that throw. Because we'll be that's like, oh, nice someone, someone else threw a pass. That, yes. That'd be like... <laughs> we saw, what? We saw three passes from other people, not or from people not named Jaron Hall this year. Chase Roberts is the greatest quarterback in BYU history, <laughs> according to his passer rating. You know what I mean? Against Baylor, but... Yeah, one of them was a receiver. <laughs> and when we saw Jacob Conover throw one pass this season. Into the right? dirt. Yeah. And we just haven't seen it. But so I expect to be surprised by Cade Finnegan. Yeah. And reports coming out of practice are that Cade's arm is really strong. And Aaron Roderick has said that before. Like, yeah. oh, he's got a great arm. It's just different when you're the potential For starter. Sure. We'll see. Hopefully Jaron plays. If not, Cade's the guy. I expect, and I've said this before on the show as well, BYU to implement a game plan like we saw specifically against ECU and go heavy on the run game against a porous run defense in SMU. It's everything defense. The advantage that BYU has on SMU is clearly the offensive line matched up against SMU's front. Can BYU maintain the ball and run it essentially down SMU's collective throat and keep the ball for a long time and keep it away from the SMU offense? I expect BYU to try and do that and have a game plan just like ECU. If they do that, they got a shot. What's the defense going to look like, though? We're talking about your three top linebackers are all out. Yep. No Keenan Peely. No Peyton Wilgar. No Max Tooley. You still have Ben Bywater. You got Ben Bywater back there. But those three gone, it's tough. It's now Fisher Jackson that's going to get some run. And Jackson Kafusi is going to be elevated in a bigger role. Yep. Maybe BYU plays dime the whole time, and maybe they should play dime the whole time because SMU is going to chuck it all over the place. Maybe. Uh, Pepe Tanuvasavil, yeah. Yeah, d- does BYU run one or two linebackers the whole game and just keep say, a bunch of defensive backs I say on drop the field? a zone, just tip the cap. <laughs> no, the, the key is BYU holding on to the football. So I expect them to yeah. try and do that and, and flex on SMU with the BYU offensive line. But yes, yeah. Christopher Brooks needs one of those games where he goes for like 150. He, he's the dude. He had he 164 against Stanford. Uh, great game, 135 against South Florida. It'd be nice if it was one of those games. If Christopher Brooks doesn't run for 150, I don't think BYU wins. Like, even if he runs for 150, it might be a stretch. It's got to be one of those BYU's games. rushing attack collectively needs to rush for 150-plus, for sure. Oh, you, Spence, you have, you it needs to be 250-plus. Like, 150 will not even approximate winning. Like, that you're assuming that you're throwing for 250 because BYU's going to need 400 to 500 yards to win this game. Just hold like, on to the ball as if long BYU's as you possibly loss. Loss. This is a this is a worse scenario again than BYU had in the Independence Bowl. It's tough. And you know we felt okay because we had confidence in Baylor Romney, and BYU had Tyler Algier, and Tyler Algier did his thing. He was awesome in the Independence plus. Bowl. But Baylor threw, threw for sub two hundred, which uh, probably was too low. Probably needed to be in the two fifty range. If Samson Nakua, if the refs call that, a, no, I'm not going to blame it on the ref. BYU just didn't win the game. BYU just didn't win it the game. It wasn't a fumble, but BYU S- shouldn't have been in that situation. SMU on paper is not as good as that UAB team last year, though, by the way. Um, their offense is better. Yes. They're playing better at this time of the year. They have better, uh, better quarterback and receiver. Their defense is worse. So those numbers, you know, there's certain things that make you feel like, well, maybe BYU can do it. It's just that we just don't know what you're going to get out of the quarterback. We never go into a game feeling good about BYU when we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback. Maybe this is Cade Fennigan's moment. Because if you're Cade, think about the opportunity here. Should Jaron not go? Hey, 
I know they're going to bring in maybe one or two, at least one, maybe two guys. I'm competing for the starting spot next year. What if I have a great bowl game? That would really catapult Caden to an interesting place. Should he have a great sure. game? And, and if BYU wins, like, this is an opportunity for Cade. He came to BYU for this type of game. Yeah. So maybe he rises up in a way that we haven't anticipated. We've just seen him play once. It was against one of the best BYU teams ever in 2020. And it was tough for him to navigate that as a guy who that week probably wasn't expecting to play much. He admitted as much in deep blue. Hey, I'm third string. Suddenly he's in the game uh, against BYU, a team he grew up rooting for. His dad played here, dot, dot, dot. And he has two touchdowns at the very end once the game is over. That was nice. But they were, honestly, they were sort of garbage yards and touchdowns. Game was over. But it was something positive for a young quarterback. But in the big scheme of things, like, well, yeah, BYU's playing. It's third stringers, whatever. This is Cade Fennigan's moment. And maybe he does something. But it's hard to expect him to do something. If he does it, it will be a surprise and awesome. He has nothing to lose. Sure. Seriously, he has nothing to lose. He's not supposed to win the game. No, he will surprise us. There will be some throws and some plays. Like, and he's pretty athletic. He can run around a yeah. little bit. Even though he's been injured, we'll see him scramble and make some plays. And people will be like, okay. But this is his opportunity to solidify himself as the number two at BYU. Behind whoever BYU brings in from the transfer portal. Well, or if in his mind, to back, be the guy. To compete for like, the job. Hey, I, I want to be the guy. Let me show you in a game. I don't know if a bowl game is enough, but maybe it's enough to, Probably grant, not, to but grant Aaron Rodgers some confidence that, okay, let's have a competition. Well, and if BYU brings in a, a really um, you know, good, capable quarterback... Cade might be like, well, let me show you in practice that I'm the guy. You know, who knows? Cade has an advantage. He knows the BYU offense better than whoever their yeah. Cougars are going to bring in at this point. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this, this is opportunity knocks. And what's Cade's story? Cade is a kid that comes out of Dallas, played at high-level football in Texas, does really well. Was probably Cliff, recruited by SMU. I don't know. I need to follow up Probably. On that. Probably was. Probably. Cliff Kingsbury um, is the head coach at North Texas at the time, and he, he really wants Cade. He really wants him, and Cade's interested. Then Cliff goes to be the OC at USC, and at the end of Cade's mission, he gets a lot of interest by USC to go there. Like, that's how respected Cade was at high school. Ends up going to Boise State, felt like it was a good fit. Ends up having an opportunity to be a a scholarship quarterback at BYU, and here he is. And now he's got a chance, perhaps, in the New Mexico Bowl. I can't wait for Cade Fennigan to start for the Arizona Cardinals and for the story to be completed. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. The bowl game depth chart is out. What's the biggest surprise? Probably the fact that BYU has three healthy running backs. (laughs) It's not been good back there. So, yeah, some good news. I'm taking a positive spin here. BYU has three healthy running backs. No Lopini Katoa, but Chris Brooks, Hinkley Ropati, and Miles Davis. All good, expected to play. BYU's going to need all three if they want to establish a ground game and try and outscore this SMU high-powered offense. That's how they can win the game, I think. Um, We've known about most of the guys, but no Harris LeChance was a uh, surprise. Yeah, for sure, and not in a good way, right? No Campbell Barrington. No Braden Kime, of course, uh, uh, injured, but Campbell's transferring. But Harris, it was like, whoa, shoot, ah. must be hurt. Yeah, I love Harris. Huge piece for BYU. Ah, pun. Ah. Based on fan attendance, Jerem, numbers in the Big 12 from the current season, combined with the attendance numbers from the new Big 12 entrance for next season, 
and minus Texas and Oklahoma, who yep. might leave after one season yep. with BYU. We see BYU at number one, averaging 59,674 fans a game. Do we expect BYU to remain the top attended football team in the new Big 12 when Texas and OU leave? Yeah, and I expect that number to go to probably 61 or so. Um, like maybe it's 63, maybe it's a sellout every time. We'll see. I think Cougar Nation's going to show up in the way they haven't. Oh, for sure. Once you get into the Big 12. It's a hot ticket, right? Absolutely. Like season ticket sales are going to go through the roof and it's going to be a tougher ticket because everybody wants to be there for the first year of the Big 12. Absolutely. And year 29. Let's go. Okay, uh, Creighton basketball lost another close game last night, this time to Arizona State. Their net uh, ranking takes a hit. Will BYU always win over the Blue Jays be a quad one on Selection Sunday? Yes. Kalk Brenner's going to be back for Creighton. We hope so. The Blue Jays are going to figure it out. They're a good team. They were ranked as high as number seven this season and rolling. They, they've certainly hit a tailspin for sure, but they've dealt with sickness and injury, and BYU was the beneficiary of Kalkbrenner not playing in that game. If he plays, Absolutely. no way BYU's winning that game. Come on. I think BYU loses that game, yeah. For sure. So he's going to get back. He's going to be healthy. They're going to figure it out, and there'll be a top 50 team net rankings come Selection Sunday. And if they're not, it mattereth not, because uh, BYU's not competing, I think, for an NCAA tournament bid. The question is whether BYU will make the NIT. They certainly helped their chances by beating Creighton. BYU's got to continue down that path to beat Utah on Saturday. That really helps as well. Oh, man. Right now, BYU is 181 in the net. That means BYU, on the road, in WCC play, is a quad four to everybody Crazy. on their home gym. Crazy. That is nuts. Certainly that number will go up if BYU finds a, a bit of a win streak here. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, Creighton's going to do their thing. And we need a little bit more time to establish a more solid net ranking scenario. Like, like let's get to January, and then it's like, okay, now I feel like the net is settling yeah. in. But we're a third of the way through. Like, we, have, we know a little it's, bit. It's pretty early. Like, through four games of football, we know a little bit. Yeah. We know who BYU is for sure. I guess my statement is in reference to Creighton. Like, it's, it's or like... They'll settle in. Let's say they become number one in that. So what? Like, like BYU <laughs> has to do a lot of that, things yeah. to make the NCAA tournament, sure. which I don't really see at this point. It's whether BYU can make the NIT. And of note, BYU does not, chooses not to play in any other tournament besides those two. So if BYU is not good enough to make the NIT, they won't play in a postseason. Now that's interesting because that was the Dave Rose regime. Would that change under Mark Pope? I, I heard uh, the other day that that uh, it will, is, it will is remain. the plan. I okay. didn't hear it from an administrator, but I had a conversation where that was. Said. Okay. BYU women's basketball assistant we'll coach Aaron Koloff took his suit game for the Christmas dress-up party to another level. <laughs> it, it looks like a suit based on <laughs> royal blue wrapping paper. Is Coach Koloff the... Drippiest, swaggiest BYU coach this holiday season. This holiday season, yes. I would argue that, uh, generally speaking, the drippiest coach is Dilji Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Totally fair. Rocking that product. I think Dilji has her own oh, Nike man. meal. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I, I think she's a big deal. She is. She is. For, I think for we're sure. lucky to have her. I well, think she could make a lot of money elsewhere, but chooses to be here. Oh, hopefully BYU's Because she loves what BYU For offers. sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tough to beat that. I, I don't know if I'm ready to call that some some good drip or swag. I, it's more just like, wow. <laughs> right? That's, that's wow. Joy to the world. Wow. wow. Jeez. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation from Provo. Spencer in Albuquerque ahead of the New Mexico Bowl coming up Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a fun one between SMU and BYU. And to get to know the Mustangs better, let's bring in the play-by-play, -play, the voice of the SMU Mustangs, Rich Phillips here on BYU Sports Nation. Rich, great to have you on the program. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be on with you. Well, it's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, we're excited about it. When we heard SMU was the opponent, we were, we were excited and uh, certainly uh, should be a fun one. We thought perhaps we might have a shootout, but uh, we'll see if Jaron Hall plays. Sounds like he may not, but what are you expecting and what do you like in this matchup? Uh, still expect there to be a lot of offense, uh, regardless of who's in at quarterback and who, who's in. You know, we know wide receiver Rasheed Rice is out for SMU in this game on Saturday, but uh, SMU's defense hasn't done a lot of stopping teams this year either. So I suspect uh, maybe the attack is different from BYU, but I still suspect there'd be a lot of points uh, scored in this game. Now, Rich, Tanner Mordecai has been awesome. He's thrown for 31 touchdowns this year, only nine interceptions, but he won't have his favorite target. So how much of an impact does Rasheed Rice not playing have on the SMU offense? Obviously huge. I mean, the guy led the nation in receiving yards per game. He's up there top five in receptions this season as well. That's a big difference. Plus, his presence changes things for everybody else, too. It helps open up other guys. So uh, that's been his security blanket all season. Uh, they've got Jordan Curley, who's really started to step up here in the second half of the season, who's probably going to be your primary guy. And then watch out for their uh, tight end, R.J. Maryland. He's a true freshman who's had a really solid season. He's top 10 in the country in receiving touchdowns among tight ends. I expect he's going to be a real busy target here on Saturday night. Yeah, six is a fantastic number, especially in that freshman season. Uh, Jalen Thomas on the offensive line is out as well. Anybody else out that will uh, affect this game, in your opinion? Uh, one of the wide receiver, Jalen Goffney, who's a little further down the depth chart, but he has been starting some. He'll be out. Um, his his production has been up and down over the season. Uh, they've got several other guys that are ready to fill in that spot. Defensively, pretty much everybody should be good to go on Saturday. Rich, when you look at the BYU defense, how do you see SMU's offense matching up a Cougar defense that has certainly dealt with some injuries and they've given up some yards and points this year? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, looking at their defense, I think that's a big opportunity for SMU in this game. Uh, they have the challenge without Rasheed Rice, but they have been very dynamic offensively all season. Starts with the quarterback. Uh, running the ball has been a little bit of a piecemeal thing, but they've kind of hit on a, a fullback, Tyler Levine, here in the last four or five weeks, who has really come on to be the leading rusher, lead him in touchdowns, really tough guy, tough running back. Uh, so that's who they'll use primarily in the run game. But uh, Mordecai, I'm sure, Tanner Mordecai, I'm sure, will find some places to pick apart in this defense on Saturday. Yeah, Levine's nine touchdowns and only nine yards lost uh, in, on the season. Impressive numbers. Defensively, as you mentioned, hey, neither team going to in a circle this year as a banner year defensively in the 100-plus in most categories that matter. Do you see this being a, hey, you got to outshoot the other team kind of game? Because in our opinion for BYU, it may be the Stanford kind of game where, hey, you may need to control the clock if Jaron Hall's not the quarterback. Yeah, I know they certainly will look to run the ball a lot more, but uh, SMU's games this year have been who's going to get that, uh, that last score and maybe that one or two stops. I mean, they gave up 63 in a game this year and won. 77-63 over Houston. Oddly enough, they won because of what their defense did. They had three interceptions, <laughs> and it it was the three stops, including the last yeah. <laughs> uh, play of the game, basically. And 
Last game they played here in the regular season against Memphis. Again, kind of a shootout, 34-31, I think was the final, but it was an interception in the last minute of the game that sealed the game for SMU. So while their defense gives up a ton, they have had several moments where they've come up with that big player, that big turnover to finish things off. Incredible. It's not often you give up 63 and win by 14. That is just an <laughs> uncanny number. Rich, when you look at the SMU defense, uh, we, we mentioned that BYU is probably going to try and run the ball. What is SMU's run defense like, and how would you assess it at this point? They have struggled to stop the run this year. They've, they've changed some things lately against a few teams that run the ball more, like Tulane, uh, certainly when they played Navy, and they played more of a traditional 4-3. They're their base defense has been the 4-2 nickel like most everybody else has gone to, but they've gone with a, a little more of a traditional 4-3. They are missing a, a key part there. Their nose tackle, Terrence Newman, uh, suffered a leg injury in the Tulane game, lost for the rest of the year, so they've had to kind of fill that gap there. Uh, Elijah Chapman, though, a really tough inside defensive tackle for them, very strong, too, who can help against that run, but I suspect we might see a little more 4-3 than normal out of the SMU defense in this one. Yeah, that pass rush, uh, which has been good enough for 27 and a half sacks against only 12 allowed for BYU, could be a storyline in this one as well. I look at the seasons, obviously same record going in to the postseason, but five and two the last seven, those two lost, a close one to Cincy, and then Tulane was awesome. Uh, things have changed for SMU. What changed the last seven? Uh, some of it, I think, had to do with the opponents they were playing. I mean, in their their uneven start, in they're in the middle part of the season. They lost three in a row, but they lost at Maryland. They lost to TCU. We know what they've gone on to do. And then they lost to UCF, who was playing for the league championship. Once they got out of that is when they started to find themselves a little bit. So I think largely some of it had to do just with the schedule that they had played along the way. And they've gotten a few pieces going offensively as well. But scheduling definitely makes a big difference for where things have gone this season. He is the SMU play-by-play -play man. Rich Phillips is on BYU Sports Nation. Rich, do you feel like 30 points is enough to win this game between SMU and BYU, or is it going to require more? You know, it's hard to say. I would have said a week ago, no, 30 is not enough. Given the quarterback situation for BYU, maybe it is the first to 30. Also missing a key part in Rasheed Rice, I guess I'll say yes, 30. <laughs> first one to 30, I think, might be the one that wins on Saturday night. <laughs> That could be interesting, and uh, it was the first one to, like, 46 uh, in 1980. I want to ask you about that game, and certainly they played a couple other games, but that is called the Miracle Bowl by BYU fans. There's a name for that game. Obviously, uh, you know, BYU fans know what it is. How is that game perceived or remembered, or maybe it's not by SMU fans? It is remembered. It's loathed, I think, by some SMU fans, as it should be. You're at 45, <laughs> what is it, 45 25 with two and a half minutes to play. That should be a win. Uh, I did a little uh, swim down uh, YouTube on that game this week to uh, relive some of the highlights or lowlights as they were, although there were plenty <laughs> of highlights for SMU, too, and it's amazing how different the teams were then than they are now. I mean, obviously, with Jim McMahon, BYU was kind of out of character for that era of football, throwing it everywhere. And SMU ran for nearly 400 yards in that game. Maybe we'll see the opposite coming up this week. But uh, definitely it's one that has been remembered for 42 years here for SMU fans. Clearly, the SMU Pony Express was rolling along at that juncture of uh, the SMU program history now we are hearing that SMU has worked their way back up to maybe just being on the outskirts of an invitation to the Pac-12. Certainly they want to get back into a Power 5 conference. Rich, how likely 
is that scenario that SMU is back in a Power Five and maybe in the Pac-12 if they decide to expand? I kind of think that they're at the top of a few lists for leagues that are looking to add teams because partly there's not a whole lot left out there. Also, a program that's been on the rise here over the last decade or so. Their basketball program has had some good uh, showings in the last decade or so. Facilities have made huge improvements, and they're making more to them here at SMU. The market size, obviously, too, of Dallas-Fort Worth has to be appealing uh, to any conference. So the Pac-12 certainly is one we have heard a lot about. I'm still not convinced the Big 12's done on adding teams because I don't know if uh, I don't know if anybody knows what the number is now of uh, how many teams you need to be uh, successful. They're just kind of sitting and waiting right now, but uh, Pac-12 is the one that we've heard the most about here in recent months. And certainly, uh, Brett Yormark saying we're open for business. Hey, that means uh, more teams are coming at some point, you'd think. I did want to ask you about uh, Cade Fennigan, a guy that we're getting to know better, Boise State transfer, perhaps the starter coming up Saturday. He went to Woodrow Wilson High School. That's 11 minutes from SMU's campus. What's the dynamic of that high school in the area? Uh, and he had great success there. Yeah, uh, I, I honestly didn't know a lot about him before getting ready for this game. I, uh, he went to Boise State, obviously, first. Uh, it's one of a number of high schools, obviously, within close proximity to SMU. I do know that Finnegan is the all-time winningest quarterback at Woodrow Wilson High School, and I believe they're all-time leading passers. So he had a pretty good uh, run there his last couple of years when he was at Wilson. Rich, let's finish with this. How would you assess the overall fan base for SMU and the excitement around the programs right now? Uh, it's definitely been on the rise. Uh, really, Sonny Dykes had a lot to do with it the four years prior to this, prior to leaving in a bit of a uh, cloud as well, going across town to TCU. But he really you know, put the program back into the top 25 over the last several years. This season, they opened receiving votes uh, in the coaches' poll the first couple of weeks before some early losses. Definitely, it's helped increase uh, the fan interest, uh, I think a change of conferences, if it does come, is going to help increase that fan interest even more. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Google Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Jerem, Bill Connolly, our friend, ESPN Plus, uh, or sorry, the SP Plus projections. He works for ESPN as well. Great guy. He predicts BYU and SMU to be the highest scoring bowl game this season. Will that hold if and when we think when Jaron Hall doesn't play quarterback for BYU? No, I, I just don't see how BYU is going to get to the 40s uh, in this game if Jaron Hall's not there. Certainly, BYU can rush the ball effectively, and they've rushed for four touchdowns exactly in the last three bowl games by the way game day guarantee coming up tomorrow. uh yeah if BYU can run Ooh. the ball maybe they get into the 30s but will BYU hold SMU under 35 it's gonna take at least 30 to win the game for sure the over under started at 72 total points it's now down to around 64 yeah. news is leaking out that Jaron Hall's not gonna play 64 feels like a pretty fair number at this point if Jaron Hall doesn't play. It's not going to be the highest scoring game of the bowl season for sure. I'd still take the over on 64, uh, even without Jaron Hall. Yesterday, a display showed BYU's black jerseys with the navy black meld helmet used from the Notre Dame game. If the Cougars don this combo again, you cool with that? Absolutely. It was so sharp. 
in Las Vegas. And I'm not a huge believer in uniform combo translates to whether or not BYU wins or loses the game. There have been so many like false curses placed on uniform combos. It was the all whites, you know, 10 to 15 years ago. Now it's Navy. Come on, no, BYU, yeah, BYU lost Notre Dame and those kits, but they're awesome. Bring them back, bring back those helmets. I'm all for it. I have inquired about the uniform as to whether this is actually the uniform that's going to be used. I was told, quote, you won't be disappointed. So we'll see what it is. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I don't know if it's something new okay. or different, but uh, Josh Hewitt and the gang uh, apparently drumming up something nice. Yeah, he's already swagged out all the guys. They got brand new white 270s and nice sweats. Oh, I want the white all... 270s yeah, for the, Christmas. The, Grab me yeah. a pair, size 11 oh, and a half. so clean. 11 and a half. So clean for sure. Big Game Boomer has certainly been impressed with BYU in a number of regards. He was he debuted on the show earlier this season. He has ranked The Rock as the number four overall student section this season. Did The Rock merit this high of a ranking this season, Jerem? The Rock merits number one every year. Uh, I love The Rock. Certainly in <laughs> September, they were unbelievable. Once it started to uh, oh. get a little weird for BYU, then, then it wasn't quite the same. You know, in November, in terms of numbers, it's the same. But uh, they did a nice, nice showing Saturday, women's hoops against Utah. I thought that was good. Certainly it can always be better, but no, I, I think BYU deserves this. Fantastic uh, student section. Absolutely, they merit this. They're year in and year out, top five student section in the country. So just go ahead and bookmark it for the rest of forever. Like The Rock will be in the top five. Put really, it in really your strong Google showing. Chrome bookmarks. Upon arrival to New Mexico, yes. BYU football was welcomed by a mariachi band on the runway. What song do you think they were playing? I believe it was Toto by Africa, Jerem. Nice. Yes, I, it's, I've been told it was Toto by Africa. Or maybe, well, yep, yes. Welcome to the jungle? I don't know. <laughs> I hope it was the traditional song. I love mariachis. I'm like one of the only uh, yes. grandkids yes. And, and aunts and uncles in my family that didn't have mariachis at my wedding. You know, I should have, but uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, my uh, my homies grew up in the Mormon colonies. We love Mariachi, they're great. Hey, just do do one of those, you know, like when you have your 20 year anniversary with uh, your beautiful wife, Whitney, do it on the beach in Mexico and have the Mariachi band serenade you hey, in, all over good. Over-unders, 19 and a half on the marriage, so hopefully we get there, yeah. <laughs> The World Cup matchup final is set, Jerem. Argentina and France. Who you got? Is it Messi and Argentina or Mbappe and France? As a two-year Brazilian, uh, it's hard for me to root for Argentina, but uh, no, going for Messi and Argentina. I just think it's a really cool storyline for yes. the greatest player ever. Pelé didn't have to play in the Champions League. Or, uh, you know, at high-level soccer, played for Santos and for the Cosmos, essentially. He didn't have to go through what Lionel Messi has, and he's won at the highest level everywhere but the World Cup. Certainly going for Messi Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I'm pulling for Messi. The GOAT needs the World Cup title. He's done everything else. He means literally the world to the game of soccer. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Team Argentina. And France won last time. They won last time. They've done time. their thing. France has come won. Come on. Yeah, come on. It's, it's time for Argentina. You got yours. You, you held up uh, the trophy there. Which by the way, if that thing goes into extras, I'm gonna be late for church. Just telling my bishop right now. 
per college basketball <laughs> reference on Twitter this year, Caleb Lohner was the most viewed men's basketball player in the state of Utah. This isn't current players. This is all time of players uh, from okay. people in Utah searching right on their website. Maybe even more surprisingly, also in Vermont. Uh, did we underestimate how popular Caleb Lohner was? Uh, Jerem, I think that they mistook Caleb Lohner for Jimmer Fredette. Uh, I think this is a clerical for error. Van Horn. It clearly, it clearly is Jimmer Fredette in the state of Utah and Vermont, for that matter. Didn't you cover a game against Vermont when I Jimmer have, played in upstate New York? I saw the Catamounts play against the Cougars in Glens Falls in yeah. the year of our Lord 2010. Uh, yeah, it was it was uh, cold in there. And it was the weirdest game I've ever been to. I've I said love this, Caleb. I've said this on the show before. But in that game, the fans were only rooting for Jimmer. So if anybody but Jimmer made a basket, it was just like. But when Jimmer made it, it was like. Yay. It was super weird. No, the, the answer is clearly Jimmer for death. I love Caleb Lohner. He's great. But somebody messed up along the way. Yeah. With a clerical error. Hey, they hey, Ron, Jimmer for you death. done messed up. <laughs> Tonight, San Diego women's volleyball. Jaron plays Texas in the national semifinals. Wow. Are you rooting for the Toreros and pulling the West Coast Conference card? Yeah, I, I am. I have no vitriol with San Diego. You know, it's not like St. Mary's or Utah or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm going for uh, the Toreros. Let's go. Let's get it done. Yeah, the Toreros went to the transfer portal hard the past couple of seasons, and it has paid off in a huge way. I kind of hate it because they became so good all of a sudden, but you know what? Heather Olmstead can join that trend as well. BYU's got a great brand and tradition. You go into the Big 12, go to the transfer portal, get awesome again, do what San Diego is. I'm pulling for the Toreros, absolutely. Yeah. Gabby Blossoms, fantastic uh, setter for them. By the way, BYU, uh, on their Instagram at least, announced uh, you know incoming transfer from Arizona and Utah State, libero and setter. So uh, yeah, already going to the portal. Okay. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. How are you going to feel? How are we all going to feel when BYU takes the field on Saturday against SMU in the New Mexico Bowl? And more importantly, how are we going to feel when the game ends and we know who actually is going to play quarterback? But it's a topic for another day, Jason. Okay, The topic today is all about the transfer portal. Hey, we live in the moment, and the moment right now is about the transfer portal with all the news and rumors swirling on yep. social media. We've seen some things come to fruition with BYU losing, most recently, Campbell Barrington to Baylor. And then there are rumors about some high-level quarterbacks that have been visiting BYU and are visiting BYU right now, not to mention a running back out of the Pac-12. So my question for you today is, will the transfer portal, when all is said and done, have given more then it has taken away from BYU this offseason. Well, and the, the operative words there are when it's all said and done, right? Because right now we don't know. The only thing that we know right now in terms of the transfer portal in BYU is that guys have left. Nobody has come in as of yet. Now, obviously, we expect that to happen. It's only a matter of time. But right now, all we can look at is the guys that have put their name in the portal and are expected to leave. Now, we know that three have already signed elsewhere and have 
you mentioned Campbell Barrington going to Baylor, and then Tate Romney and Jacob Conover have already uh, announced that they're going to Arizona State. Now, the others still don't know. Um, there's still obviously a chance. Just because somebody goes into the portal doesn't mean that they're automatically leaving. BYU's re-recruiting yes. Keenan Peely. There, there's an opportunity for any of these guys to come back that have not already signed with somebody else. So right now it's sort of an incomplete because we don't have the other part of the equation. All we have right now is who's left. What we hope is that certainly the people that BYU gets to come in outweighs the losses of those leaving. But right now, we just don't know that. Obviously, and you referenced it, there are a lot of high-profile players that are out there that have taken visits. There's probably a lot that we don't even know have probably taken visits or certainly that BYU has reached out to. But until, until we have more of an idea of what's coming back, it's very difficult to answer that question. The hope is certainly, though, that when it's all said and done, the players that come in outweigh those that have left. 10% of college football and that's a rough estimate, is in the transfer portal. Yeah. It's absurd how many players are in the transfer portal. And it's early. And typically, by nature of what happens here, like you're going to lose more before you get more because guys go into the transfer portal, and that's the news, right? Yeah. Well, I'm leaving this school. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. All these guys are leaving. Well, then it takes time for those guys that are in the portal to decide where they are going. So this is just natural flow of this whole thing. Right now it feels bad yeah. because, oh, BYU's losing all these guys. When are they going to get somebody? It's going to take time. Naturally. Yes. It's going to take time for all of the other guys that are looking at BYU to decide if they want to come to BYU. And so it's, it's a waiting game. You have to be patient. Again, and then, by nature of just the timeline of all of this. And the transfer portal, correct me if I'm wrong, the window to enter the portal goes through the 18th or 19th of January, right? So there's, there's over a month left where there can be maneuvering of guys. And look, here's the other part. And I, I want to preface this comment by saying, I say this without knowledge of specific things. I say this as because it makes sense. There's probably going to be more guys that are waiting for the bowl game to be played. And then after the bowl game, they may put themselves in the transfer portal. And I mean that from a BYU standpoint and certainly from other schools that BYU may have interest in. So once all the bowl games are done, there's probably going to be more names in there, again, on both sides of this equation. Okay, so I'm just going to paint a, a very, very simple picture for everyone that's watching or listening and for you, Jason, and just go by the stars that are associated with the players that have left BYU or have announced that they are leaving BYU. And we'll start with Logan Fano. That one to me feels like the biggest hit that BYU has taken so far. He's going to the University of Utah. We felt like he would be an integral part of BYU's defensive line, four-star guy. Now he's going just down the road to Salt Lake City. That to me is the biggest hit thus far. Then there's Keenan Peely. But we don't know where Keenan Peely is going to go. I don't think it's going to be Utah. I think he's testing the waters. I think that, you know what? He's doing his due diligence, and he's taking a look at what else is out there. He's graduated from BYU. He helped BYU beat Utah in 2021. I have no hard feelings for Keenan Peely. He's awesome. I hope he comes back. But he's a three-star linebacker. Then there's Jacob Conover. I know he has four stars, but he never really had a chance to do anything at BYU. Aaron Roderick and the coaching staff – didn't feel like he was the guy, clearly, to put enough trust in him to make him want to stay. 
So those are probably the three biggest names right now. And I would agree with you. Dallin Holker, for me, is fourth on that list. Holker, three-star tight end. He probably surpassed Jacob Connor while he was at BYU in terms of prominence because he saw the field and he had a, you know, a more significant contribution. So semantics, you can flip-flop those guys. Holker, three. Conover, four. Will BYU get a couple of four-stars or one four-star and then three three-stars in positions that they need? I think they will in the transfer portal. And starting with the quarterback, we can't talk specifics. I've already gotten myself in trouble with not being able to mention specific names on this show in the past week, but I'm not going to go down that road and get myself in trouble with the bosses. I'm not going to say names, but it's out there. The news is out there that a three-star quarterback in high school, and I think he's ascended to a four-star. He almost became a five-star when he won an award in his conference. There's a big-time quarterback that BYU played against in the recent past that has visited BYU. There is another four-star quarterback who is visiting BYU right now, and BYU is pursuing a four-star running back who's very interested in coming to Provo. BYU is not going to get all of them. I think they'll get one of those quarterbacks, especially if and I think when Jaron Hall announces that he's going to go to the NFL. Who knows if they get this highly recruited running back, but yes, the, the opportunities and the players are out there. But by nature of the calendar and what has to happen first, you just got to wait. And, and so it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to even yes, out. It is. And it, look, it, it has to as well. Because BYU has, has even has said publicly they will be active in the transfer portal because they know that, number one, that's the way that college athletics is going now. It, it is what it is. It, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. That's now the way collegiate athletics works. The transfer portal is a part of it whether you like it or not. And BYU has said we know we have to utilize the portal to help our roster. And clearly, if... The guys that we talked about ultimately do leave that are still remain unsigned or have not officially transferred. You know, obviously there's a chance they come back, as you mentioned, and the hope is certainly that sure, Keenan Peely sure. or others maybe. Terrence Fall hasn't announced where he's yeah. going. Look, and quite frankly, you, you mentioned Dallin Holker. I'm a bit surprised that wherever he's going, and there were a lot of rumors as to where he was going, that he hasn't announced because it kind of felt like when he left, he left – with something specific in mind, and we haven't heard anything yet. So that one is a little surprising that we have not heard from for anything on that front. But look, the, the question is, when it's all said and done, is it, is it going to be more in favor than against BYU? To your point, we can't answer that right now. The hope is certainly that it is. But we have to give this time. And right now, we're in this, we want answers now. We want wins now. Sure. It, it goes against what we all want but we're just going to have to wait to see it all play out because there are a lot of things happening behind the scenes that will just take time to get done. It will even out overall. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that BYU is going to get a four-star defensive lineman to replace Logan Fano, but they'll get a four-star in another position group that they don't get somebody on the defensive line. So the overall dynamic of what BYU is going to pick up in the transfer portal compared to what they lose, I feel like that is going to be dead even. I'm not ready to say it's going to be better. Maybe it's a little bit better because BYU brings in some new blood and BYU is going into the Big 12. That is advantageous for the Cougars. Hey, come now, year one of the Big 12, help BYU take the ascension as they move into a Power 5 conference. 
there are going to be some players that otherwise would not look at BYU. Yes. Now, because BYU is a Power 5 team, that's how the nature of the business works. BYU's going to have more money. They're going to have more opportunity for NIL, bigger product, bigger deal, more season ticket sales. There's more money flowing in, more NIL opportunity for guys that maybe are not really thinking about going to BYU that otherwise are saying, hey, okay, now, now I'll look at BYU. Yeah, I want to play against Oklahoma and Texas at least for one year. I want to play against TCU. I want to go to Waco and play against Baylor. You bet. You mean to tell me if, if a school like BYU that has the history it has with quarterbacks, and again, we're all assuming that Jaron is going to take that next step to go pro. I mean, that just seems to make sense. You, you can't tell me that the opportunity to play at this school with this offense going into the scenario that BYU is, BYU doesn't always have a starting quarterback spot open when you're going into the Big 12. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. So, so the opportunity is there unique. to get somebody of significance. The quarterback situation is not going to be a problem because of what BYU has done in the recent past. Under Kalani Satake, Taysom Hill, Zach Wilson, and we think now Jaron Hall, three quarterbacks potentially all in the NFL at the same time. Right. right? We'll see how long Taysom Hill plays. We'll see when Jaron gets in the NFL. But we think that there are going to be three former BYU quarterbacks on active NFL rosters yeah. next season. That matters, which is why BYU is not going to have trouble garnering interest from some of these and already have notable quarterbacks. It's going to be tough on the defensive line. That one, that one stings the worst for me. Like, oh, I hate the BYU lost Logan Fano, and then he's going to the University of Utah because BYU needs help yes. on the defensive line. That's up to Jay Hill and Kalani Satake and company now to try and even that out. That, that to me is where the biggest void is, but overall, at worst, it's going to be even. We'll see. Maybe they surprise us. Speaking of the coaches at BYU, maybe they go out and just crush it in the transfer portal and BYU is elevated a little bit. But, I mean, the doomsday thing, I'm, I'm past it. Recruiting's, recruiting out of high school is a separate conversation. Yes. I know that that is a sore spot for sure right now. This is strictly transfer portal. And if you lose some guys in recruiting out of high school, you can at least put a Band-Aid fix on that with a transfer portal. And, yes, that's why it's there. And it is the, it's the way that you can get around the situation that BYU is in right now is to be able to have access sure. to players like that. Well, what has BYU gained from the transfer portal, Spencer? I've had people ask me that. The Nakua's? Yeah. Did that work out for BYU? You think? Yeah. Holy cow. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We took one week off with, with Trevor Maddich, and we've got a ton to talk about. So let's jump right in with ESPN's Trevor Maddich. First off, welcome back to the show. Good to see you. Let's talk about Jay Hill, hired as associate head coach, defensive coordinator. What do you think of the move for BYU? This is a home run hire. He brings so much on the field and off the field. And when it comes to on the field, he's got an attacking style of defense. And I think most BYU fans would say, it's about time. I mean, I, for one, got a little tired of watching BYU sit back, read and react, and just catch what offenses were doing and try to keep everything in front of them. Coach Hill's style is to dictate to the offense, to pressure them 
into having to respond, to pressure them into making mistakes. Now, there's a flip side to that because the danger is that you leave guys in man coverage on the back end and the offense can make big plays as well. But I would rather use that attacking style, especially when you have the kind of linebackers that BYU already has, which is fast guys that love to attack. And then off the field, the recruiting is off the charts. He's a phenomenal recruiter. He's a phenomenal developer of young men. And just his his energy, I think, will infuse something into the program that will take it to the next level. Trevor, he's probably got a, a very lengthy to-do list um, as he jumps into this new job here on campus. What do you think should be priority number one from him? Well, Shep, it is in recruiting. It's in personnel. And that is both in recruiting current players to stay and not enter the portal, players that he wants to keep, and in recruiting outside players. And I think he's the kind of guy that that can help put a fence around the state of Utah. And that's important. We have talked a lot about moving to the Big 12 and how important it is to bring people into the program at some level that have an, an intimate understanding of the Texas high school football scene. And then that is important. But the first priority is Utah. It's the local players. There are a lot of phenomenal players in the state of Utah that end up leaving the state or going up north. And I think that because of his time at Weber State, because of his his relationships with high school coaches around the state, Coach Hill will be able to keep some of those players home at BYU. And that's an important thing. Ultimately, it's about talent, but it's also about belief. And players stay without leaving the portal. And recruits come because they believe that they can thrive. I think because of his track record and because of his charisma, Coach Hill can infuse that kind of belief. And it all comes down to the guys in the room and them believing that they could win and they can win through aggression. And I love that. And there will always be players leave, regardless of how good the season goes or who the coaches are and how good they are. It just is what it is. And at this point, seven players have left uh, for BYU. A few notable ones in Keenan Peely, as we mentioned in headlines. What do you think of what's going on with the portal in BYU right now? You know, every team has this happen to them. And for BYU, I think it's important to look at why some of the players may have left. I mean, Tate Romney, uh, linebacker, went to Arizona State. That's closer to home for him. And if that's the main reason, I can't blame him for that. Keenan Peely does surprise me because he's exactly the kind of linebacker that thrives in the new system that the Cougars will be running, that the attacking, the downhill, the multiple looks for the quarterback, the dictating. And that kind of, of scheme is something that he would excel in. So the fact that he's leaving, I mean, I don't know why he's leaving. There may be some personal issue. It may be something to do with NIL. And these are all things that I think are important to understand on an individual basis before we say, yeah, this is good, or, oh, this is bad for BYU. I don't know the answers to that. What I do know is that the what they're creating now is something that players will want to be in. Well, and like you just said, look, Right now, the focus is on the guys that are entering the transfer portal to leave BYU. Obviously, BYU is going to be using the transfer portal to bring guys in as well. What positions do you think should be top priority for the Cougar coaches as they go into the portal to look for players? Well, assuming that Jaron Hall goes to the NFL, they'll need to look for an elite quarterback. But if you are a quarterback in the portal looking for a place to go, what features do you want to have? Well, you want to have a place that'll get, that has a track record, record of getting guys drafted into the NFL. BYU has that recently. And you want a place where the offensive line can protect you. BYU on paper certainly has a, 
uh, an experienced, talented offensive line coming back, even if they lose a couple of guys to the NFL. They've got a young, dynamic group of wide receivers and some outstanding prospects at running back. And if you're a quarterback in the portal, you're thinking, man, I could parachute into this thing and have success right away. So that's one thing. Another thing is maybe more backup quarterbacks to add to the competition to the room if Jaron Hall does decide that he wants to stay. And then there's disruptors on defense because with this new style that they're playing, they need guys that can get upfield into the backfield and, and mess with the quarterback even if they don't sack it. Make him uncomfortable. Stop running backs in the backfield before they get started. That's important as well. And if I'm one of those guys in the portal, I'm looking at BYU as now a, a place that I can go and have my skills as a disruptor be maximized. Same way for cover guys on the back end, because this scheme will require multiple guys who can lock down one-on-one. And BYU, I think, is going to go towards the, the where other teams have gone, which is taller, lankier, longer corners that can cover. And if I'm one of those guys, I look at BYU as a place that I can go in and, and thrive and showcase my talents because of the way the scheme will be going forward. And so when you talk about quarterback, disruptors up front, and cover guys on the back end, I think BYU has a very clear path towards what they might be looking for first in the transfer report. And we saw one of those on display in the NFL last night, Michael Davis with the Chargers getting some props from Chris Collinsworth on Sunday Night Football. Let's talk about the New Mexico Bat Bowl matchup with SMU, certainly a Talented team coming in uh, on fire, 5-2. and two, Those two losses uh, in their last seven to uh, Tulane and Cincinnati. Uh, this is going to be a challenge for BYU, and we'll see if Jaron Hall plays. Got that ankle injury. We don't know the severity at this point. Yeah, we don't. And it's important that, that BYU understand. <laughs> well, they do understand. It's important, the, the, the quarterback matchup here. Because if Jaron Hall can go and if he's healthy, then you've got a truly fair fight with Tanner Mordecai of SMU, the transfer from Oklahoma to SMU, one of the more dynamic quarterbacks in all of college football. Now, he, it looks like, won't have his top receiver, his top offensive lineman. So there's some uncertainty over on that side as well. But if it turns out that Jaron Hall can go, then you're looking at a potentially high-scoring game that'll be tremendous fun to watch. If Jaron Hall can go, then I don't think BYU wants to get into a track meet with whoever would replace Hall against Tanner Mordecai in that SMU offense. I think you'll see more of what they did against Stanford, which is to say, pound the ball, pound the ball, take the air out of the clock, and go to a style fight instead of a, a matchup on the track. And so it'll be interesting to see what Jaron Hall decides he wants to do or what he's able to do, because the style of this game will be dictated by that one position. Trevor, let's hit some big picture topics here. Let's go to the NFL. Um, Zach Wilson obviously losing his starting job in New York with the Jets. Mike White has come in, won the first game, ha haven't won since, and he got beat up really bad yesterday against Buffalo. Clearly, Joe Flacco is not the answer. Do you think there's a scenario where we see Zach Wilson back as the starting quarterback of the Jets before the end of the year? I think it's possible, especially if, if Mike White continues to be limited by his injury. The Jets are in a playoff race, and they owe it to everybody in that locker room to put the quarterback in that the team thinks will best get them to the playoff, or at least get them the best chance to go to the playoff. And that, that's what Zach needs to do, is he needs to, behind the scenes and then on the field in practice, then if he plays in the game, he needs to show his teammates through his actions that he's that guy. 
Whether it'll happen, I don't know, because I think right now the team really rallied around Mike White, and I think the coach wants to kind of keep that momentum going as long as he can. But if if White turns out to be slowed down now by defenses who now have more tape on him and they know how to stop him, then it may well be that Zach will be back in. I, I think this whole thing will be good for Zach because it gives him a chance to kind of sit back take a look at things without the pressure of being the starter, understand a little bit better what he could do better to maximize his performance, and then step back in. And very often, that's the catalyst that leads young quarterbacks into going to the next step. And so I, I could see him coming back. Either way, he certainly needs to be ready, not just if he comes back, but if he doesn't, to help Mike White be the best quarterback he can be for the Jets, because that will be the next step in his progress as well. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Shall we whip it? Let's whip it. Let's do it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. SMU opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Cougars. It's now at five-and-a-half, so yep. it's moved three points. How big of an underdog do you expect BYU to be by kickoff on Saturday? Probably close to seven points. Yeah. The more that people find out that Jaron Hall is most likely not going to play, it's going to make it a huge deal. It already has. Like, that's why it slid from two-and-a-half to 5.5 is because people are becoming privy to that information. Yeah. And they're reading into what offense coordinator Aaron Roderick just said, like, yeah, it doesn't look good. I, would, I wouldn't be shocked to see it slide all the way to six and a half or seven by the time we kick off on Saturday night. Yeah, see, six and a half is kind of the number that I had in my head. And I, for the same reasons that you did, I mean, as soon as there's more specific news on personnel, specifically at the quarterback yes. position, yes. then that's that line's going to move. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Right around six and a half is kind of what I thought. It got to one and a half. Like, it was kind of going back and forth. And then the Jaron Hall news broke. Like, oh, I might... We just saw a massive plummet in that line. Also, the over-under of the game, like we saw it, it dropped. 72, now it's like down around 64. Yeah, Jaron Hall creates a lot of offense, so don't be shocked to see it kind of slow down. And so BYU wins, they score 62 points, and SMU gets a safety? Oh, that's that how that's going to work? I think that's how that's going to work. 64 points total, 62 to 2. I think that's, I think that's how this one's going to This gonna... feels like first to 30 wins, Jason, and that's a Probably. significant number because yeah. SMU 0-4 this season when they have not scored 30 points. That's the key. Yeah. Slow it down and do anything you possibly can to keep SMU from getting to 30. You got a shot. Let's do it. All right. Zach Wilson is being promoted to the New York Jets backup quarterback position. I don't know how I feel about that, but it is what it is. At least he's active. Yes, that's true. And starter Mike White is limited in practice right now. That from his head coach Robert Sala this morning after leaving with bruised ribs on Sunday. What are the chances Zach Wilson takes a snap for the Jets this week? Uh, I think they're actually, I think they're greater than 50-50. I, I mean, I don't know how high, but look, we saw the types of hits Mike White took against the Buffalo Bills. He went to the hospital yes. after the game. The man went to the hospital because he had just gotten beat up by the Bills defense. I, I think there's a, I feel like it's likely that he takes some snaps. Whether that means he starts the game because Mike White, as the week progresses, can't go, or he gets takes another hit from the Lions defense and then Zach has to come in, I think it's quite likely that we see Zach Wilson on the field. I think Mike White's gonna start. He's a gamer, clearly he's a tough guy, 
but and he doesn't want to lose his job. Exactly. And that's what's factoring into this heavily. Like he has the support of the locker room, of his coach, his teammates, his wide receivers. But if he is incapable of doing the things that the Jets need him to do to win the game, and the offense is stalling and it gets ugly and weird, don't be shocked to see Zach Wilson come in, especially sometime in the second half, and try and ignite something because Zach's more healthy yes, than Mike yes. White. I, I'm telling you, I would absolutely, not because of any injury, but for what, for, to have Zach Wilson come into the game and to have him just tear it up would be awesome sure. to see. I'm putting like 30% that we see Zach take snaps on Sunday. Interesting. All right, there's currently a 91 spot difference between BYU basketball's ranking in Ken Palm and its net ranking. Good grief. So it's 183 in net, and in Ken Palm it's 92. Which do you put more stock in right oh, now? Oh, blue goggles firmly affixed. It's clearly 92. I don't know why I'm talking like Jerry Seinfeld, but I am. What's the deal with What's the difference? The 91 spots. That's quite a difference. It's probably somewhere in between, Jason. I feel like that's extremely fair with what BYU's resume is to date. They have two inexplicable losses, one to South Dakota, and the way they lost to Utah Valley by 15 at home. Like those two, I'm just like, huh? But then BYU erases a 23 point deficit against Dayton and they beat Creighton, even though Creighton was down Ryan Kalkbrenner. I know, still, BYU won those games and so there's this kind of balance, right? So regression to the mean yes. is what we call it. If we're going 91 spots, let's go 45 spots up from Ken Palm and 45 down from the net rankings. People tell me not to do math live on the air, yes. but I'm totally okay with it. So that would put BYU right around 138. I, I just want to know what is different with these algorithms that there is that big of a difference between these two rankings. Look, yeah. here's, here's the way I'm looking at it. I'm not gonna apologize for it either. Blue goggles, like permanently fixed on my eyes. I'm gonna go with Ken Palm because it, it speaks highly, speaks more highly of BYU basketball. Because so they're efficiency I'm putting more ratings. stock in the Ken Palm rankings. Yeah, their efficiency ratings are good. It's largely based on defensive and offensive efficiency, so BYU's number is higher there. But I'd say it's probably fair somewhere in the middle. It, One, prob it probably is. It probably 138 is. 138 for me. It's very specific. Former New Orleans Saints All-Pro quarterback Drew Brees, a Purdue alum, is apparently going to be part of the Purdue coaching staff for the Boilermaker Citrus Bowl showdown this with cool. LSU. This is cool. He's helping fill the shoes of departed head coach Jeff Brom. Very cool. If BYU were to do something similar for this Saturday's New Mexico Bowl, which former player would you like to see coaching with the Cougars on the sideline on Saturday night? Yeah, I, I actually, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I've got a couple, I've, I've narrowed it down to two. One, off the top, I'm going to go with Kyle Vanoy. Okay. Kyle Van, because we're, we're talking about the defense. The defense is okay. the side everybody's kind of paying attention to to slow down this SMU offense. So I, I want Kyle Vanoy because the guy is not going to take any guff. He's going to tell it like it is, and he could come in and motivate. We've already seen him in some of the videos that it, when he's, he's come and talked to the team. So Kyle Vanoy. The other, maybe, this is my got my backup, Brady Papinga. Ooh. Because, look. Wow. Two Papingas? I don't know, is that Papingai? I don't know. But <laughs> I'm telling you, you get Brady and Kelly together. The Papingai? <laughs> Just saying. You can't go wrong with two Papingas, right? Okay. For me, first guy I thought of, John Beck. BYU needs the quarterback whisperer yes. Very nice. on the sideline with Cade Fennigan. Remember, John Beck played a good deal of his senior season, Jason with a high ankle sprain yeah. and was still awesome. 
Cade Fennigan has an ankle sprain. Jaron Hall's dealing with an ankle injury for that matter. Get the quarterback whisperer who has been through that pain and knows how to work that injury and still compete at a high level on the sideline. John Beck, 100% would be the guy that I want to see with BYU on Saturday night. Okay, last one. Um, we continue to send our love and support to the family of Mike Leach after learning of the death of Mississippi State head coach and obviously BYU alum. Um, there were a lot of stories that were shared about Coach Leach yesterday and have been on social media and all the different uh, you know sports shows. What was your favorite Mike Leach moment that was shared yesterday or maybe that you have one of your own? Uh, I love the Lincoln Riley story where he's talking about Coach Leach answering a phone call and he's on the phone, I wanna say for like 30 minutes, then the call drops off, calls right back, talks to the person for like another 30 minutes, like an hour long phone call. He gets off the phone and Lincoln Riley asks Mike Leach like, well, who was that? And he's like, oh, they had the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's Mike Leach. Yeah. He'll talk to anybody and make you feel great. Uh, I love that. Also, off the radar one, the, the fact that he may have played football at Pepperdine on campus. He graduated from yeah. Pepperdine as well. Yeah. Okay, with the Masters. Yeah. With apparently a serial killer in Los Angeles. Yeah, the LA Night Stalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine yeah. hearing that story at Pac-12 Media Days? The reporters that said they heard it were like, what? Okay, they never got the name, but he said, yeah, I played I played football on campus Pepperdine with uh, apparently a serial killer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> see you later, guys. Got to go do another interview. Yeah, there, there were a lot. I, 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 I don't know if it's specific. The, the, thing, the thing I will remember about him, and it, and it pertains to BYU, is how much he talked about BYU and how much he followed it. It was his school. He loved it. He yes. loved everything about yes. BYU. Yes. And it wasn't just football. It was obviously rugby because he was a rugby player. But he would follow BYU, and I absolutely loved somebody of his stature and his national prominence being so positive yeah. about BYU. I thought it was fantastic. Sure. Yeah, and guess what? He had an LDS backdrop. Yes. He was a religious dude, even though he was kind of uh, he, he even a said, wild card. He said, look, I have a lot of bad habits. But he still talked about every day reading the Bible. He's talked about reading the Old Testament and the New Testament and reading the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants. It. it was fantastic. It was great. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. While we acknowledge BYU men's basketball is playing Western Oregon tonight, we look ahead to a busy Saturday where football is taking on SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. I heard that's why you're there. Men's Hoops plays Utah, and women's basketball is at Gonzaga. So let's talk about our expectations. How many wins among those three do you expect BYU to get? Significantly challenging weekend. And yeah, we all want the trifecta. We want the Super Saturday going three for three. But I would set the over-under, Jerem, probably at a half game. I mean, this is really challenging right now because what if Jaron Hall doesn't play at quarterback for BYU? And the Utah running Utes are playing really good basketball. They just took care of Arizona, one of the top teams in the country. And then the BYU women's team has had their ups and downs. They've struggled. you got to open conference play in Spokane at Gonzaga against the perennial league favorite. This is a, this is a tough task. So I'd set the over-under at 
half game, I'm going with one. I feel like one BYU team will figure it out, and most likely, I think it's here at University Stadium in New Mexico because BYU will have the ability, I believe, to run the ball against a depleted SMU run defense. And if they can just chew some clock and have long, sustained drives and keep the ball out of Tanner Mordecai, SMU's quarterback, and and that offense, their hands collectively, BYU's got a shot down here in the New Mexico Bowl. So I'm going to go with one on Saturday. We all want the trifecta, but one feels like it's going to happen. I hope one happens. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I I think it's a challenging day uh, for the reasons you mentioned. Added reasons include... Utah playing good ball, as you mentioned. Uh, they're 9-2 and two at this point, beat Arizona. They did lose to Sam Houston State. They lost to Mississippi State, who's a top 25 Ken Palm team. So they're good. Utah's good at basketball again, which, which uh, is tough to, a tough pill to swallow when they come into Provo like this. But we saw this BYU team beat Creighton. We saw them beat Dayton. We saw them compete at San Diego State well. Uh, decent comebacks right against USC and Baylor. Uh, excuse me, uh, Butler. Perhaps men's basketball at home, rejuvenated by a win against Creighton, is the most likely to me. I feel like it's more likely than football. Football, I am concerned because of the reasons we've outlined this week, which include, obviously, Jaron Hall, more light being shed a moment ago, uh, as we mentioned from Kalani Satake. No Jaron Hall makes me significantly nervous because, remember, this is the first game we're going to walk into without Jaron Hall. He's played and started every game this year. He's at least been the guy. Even Notre Dame without practicing, obviously, was his worst performance of the season. BYU loses by eight, but BYU could run the ball a little bit. Can BYU, as we've talked about, summon a performance like Stanford where they rush for 300 yards against a porous SMU defense (laughs) that is 11th worst in the country and in the 100s in everything that matters, scoring defense, yards per play, rush defense, total yards allowed – that's it. BYU women, women's basketball at Gonzaga, that is a tough one. Cougars 4-6, and six, Gonzaga 9-2. Certainly, BYU's gone up there and won before, but it has required some of BYU's best teams to do so. Hopefully, the women can figure that out. But I think men's hoops has the best shot coming off of Creighton, going up against a, a team uh, that at home BYU can compete with and or beat. SMU makes me nervous. But SMU hasn't won a bowl game since 2012. It's been a minute and defensively, they're porous. Yes, yeah. their offense is top three in, in yards and points and pass yards in, in SMU history. This is one of the best offenses they've ever had. But it's the BYU uh, defense. It's the lack of a coaching s- staff there, the continuity there. Perhaps they summon something, and that's the hope. But it's certainly a massive Saturday for all three. Now, to add to your argument that it might be BYU men's basketball, weirdly, Craig Smith, Utah's head coach, he's a really good coach. He could never figure out BYU when he was at Utah State and obviously hasn't figured out BYU while he's been at Utah. So Craig Smith has a little bit of a mental block, for whatever reason, taking on BYU men's hoops. But, again, different Utah team. I just think it's, that's a lot to ask. BYU lost to Utah Valley in South Dakota. In home scenarios. I know. So are, are we hey, looking and thinking, it's, yeah. It's like, been a whole may, week, Spencer. I don't know what you're BYU talking about. you can do this? It's been, a whole, <laughs> it's been a whole eight days since UV. I, that's, I flushed that one down the toilet, bro. <laughs> I want the trifecta. But, yeah, Craig, Craig Smith has not beaten BYU. And he, he's a great coach. Weird. But is Chris Burgess the difference maker 
leaving BYU and going to Utah to help Craig Smith get over that hump. Well, Just well, maybe that that's the case. Brendan Carlson's playing really well. Uh, Seven-footer for Utah. Chris Burgess is coaching him up really well. Chris is a good coach. We like, we like Chris a lot. Um, even though he disappointed 12 million Mormons or whatever Roger Reed said. But, yeah, <laughs> whatever. That's over. But it's a funny story. Okay, it's an interesting um, situation with Saturday. Would you take right now, if I'm like, okay, BYU gets one win of those three, would you take that or you play it out? Oh, man. I- I'd take one win. I- I- Me too. I would take one. Do I get to pick which win it is, Jared? No, you don't or know do which just, one it I is. Just you just one. get a win. I- I- yeah, I would-, I would take that scenario. Yeah, I- absolutely. Because all three teams and their respective rights are facing huge challenges. And I, I feel like BYU football, Cade Fennigan, I said it earlier this week, he's going to surprise some people. He's off the radar. SMU's thinking, who's this dude? Yeah, he's from Dallas, whatever. Like, ah, we got this in the bag. We're going to break the bowl game curse. We're going to win a bowl game for the first time in 10 years. It's going to be awesome. But SMU is without their nose tackle. Their run defense is already bad. They're playing without their best receiver and another key receiver. And they're down an offensive tackle. BYU just maybe could string together a ground and pound effort here and and get some things done. BYU's offensive line should dominate SMU up front if what we are hearing is true and the stats would prove that SMU is not good. Why are they all of a sudden going to be good on defense come bowl game on Saturday? Like, they they have shown us who they are. So I guess that's why I lean that direction as as I feel BYU will be able to run the ball. So if i got to, like, roll the dice on a team – Strangely, I feel like with BYU's running backs healthy, three of them anyway, and the offensive line, just hand it off. And then simple passes from Cade Fennigan to Puka Nakua and some other key targets, Chase Roberts. Just see what happens. I I hope it's not a shootout, though, Jaron, because if it does become a shootout, then I'm significantly worried about BYU. No, it's hard to be like, hey, Cade Fennigan, first start if that's the case. Sounds like that's going to be the case. And who knows? Maybe we'll see some Soljay Mayava Peters, Nick Billups. Who knows? But Cade uh, seems like he's the guy. If it's a shootout, it's hard to be like, yeah, Cade, show up and do that. If I'm Blake Freeland, um, <laughs> I'm going, and Clark Barrington, frankly, I, and uh, Harris Chance. Maybe these are all three for them uh, last games. Harris out for this game. Never mind. Those two on the left side. I go, follow me to freedom. Okay? Like that Y2K Sports yes. Center commercial. Follow me to freedom! Into the end zone, summon yeah. the ju- juice, uh, Josh Quezada and, and J.J. DeLuigi performance from 2010 in that stadium. Maybe Cody Hoffman's uh, three touchdowns resurrects in the form of, uh, you know, Isaac Rex for a, a trio of TDs. Yes, BYU's got to be able to run the ball. Let me ask you this. Which of the three teams on Saturday need the win the most? Not what we expect, what we hope. Oh, Who man. needs it the most? Gosh, I feel like it, it needs to be BYU men's basketball. I, I feel like it's the biggest rivalry scenario. They're home. I just pointed out, like, the inexplicable semi-home loss to South Dakota in Salt Lake City and then a straight-up home loss for a second year in a row against Utah Valley. BYU men's basketball needs a win the most, and what a way to do it against a really good Utah team in Provo. Protect your home court because – BYU women's basketball is playing on the road, and they're four and six, and they're rebuilding. Nobody's expecting like if BYU loses to Gonzaga, which is is what is expected. No, whatever. That that's what we are all anticipating is going to happen. Maybe outside of the team, that's fine. They'll be okay if they lose that game. 
Even if BYU football loses down here, whatever. We talked about it early this week. They'll flush it away onto the Big 12. Oh, the Big 12. New coaches, recruiting. <laughs> yeah. Quarterback coming in, big-time guy, we think, through the transfer portal at some point if Jaron goes. Like, there's so much off-season hype and juice with the transfer portal and going to the Big 12 and the Big 12 schedule. If BYU loses this game, whatever, 7-6, and six, on to the Power 5. BYU men's basketball, however, if they lose at home to Utah, now we're talking about three straight home losses. And, and then things get super weird. Uh, and BYU doesn't lose at home. They lot, so if they lose to South Dakota, Utah Valley, and Utah at home back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, that's super, super concerning for me. So I, I, if I had to pick one, I'm giving it to Mark Pope and BYU men's hoops to get it done against Utah. They need it the most. Are we call calling South Dakota home loss? I, I, yes, no, uh, it's, it's tough, right? But yeah, Semi-home. Yeah, semi-home. I, uh, I agree that men's basketball needs it the most. Um, and they've, yeah, it's a big game. Uh, certainly Utah will be the favorite in that game when the lines come out. But uh, Beer's got to summon a performance there that's good. Which, by the way, Rudy Williams coming off the bench. Utah doesn't have an answer for Rudy Williams off the bench. Is he, if he's the 20-plus-a-game guy, which he is the last three, by the way, uh, he is playing lights out. That second unit now has a different look and feel than it did before, which I'm looking forward to the Fantasy uh, Friday coming up later in the program to see what move you're going to make because no Spencer Johnson means, means no Spencer Linton picking Spencer Johnson. But that's coming up later. In that stadium, <laughs> by the way, the New Mexico Bowl, BYU played New Mexico. Was it 9 when Andrew George flew in like day of after having a baby and then caught like two yeah. touchdown passes? Like, what? where's the Andrew George fresh baby? Uh, they're all fresh. Performance that perhaps BYU <laughs> needs. Like, that was one of the craziest stories in BYU history is when he did that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, tons of history. It's cool to be back in University Stadium, and it's fun to talk with some of the natives down here, uh, the New Mexico residents, about BYU, because clearly, like, What's the they don't like BYU. Still? Get yeah. over it. But the, the vi- 11 years. The, vi- the vibe is, well, BYU's here, and we know BYU, so I mean, I, I talked to uh, my guy Martin at the hotel last night, and he's like, I typically hate BYU, but because they're not in New Mexico's conference anymore, and they're here in our stadium, and we have a history with them, and I don't know much about SMU. I'm, I'm actually rooting for the Cougars this There you weekend. go, Martin. So I was like, Martin, wel- welcome, welcome, my friend. We welcome got Martin. BYU Sports Nation. Here's a Let's swag go. box. Let's go, Martin. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All right, Tyler, what have the last few weeks been uh, since the regular season ended? It seems like a lot's been going on. Yeah, uh, a lot has been going on. So uh, it's, it's been nice, you know, to have a little bit of break, uh, you know, like, like a bye week again, if you will. Um, and, uh, yeah, in the midst of that, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of changes have gone on with the program. So let's, let's talk about that. You get a new defensive coordinator in Jay Hill, and I know everybody's really excited about it. What, uh, what were your thoughts when, when you heard the news? Um, you know, also, uh, excited and, you know, kind of bittersweet moment. Um, you know, I, I love, I love coach Tuiaki and, uh, you know, everything that he's done for us and done for the program. And so, um, that's been really awesome. Um, at the same time, you know, change is always, uh, interesting and uh, exciting. So, um, Jay Hills, he's an awesome guy, you know, for my interactions with, uh, with him since he's been down here uh, and I'm really excited to work with him. So. 
you know, I was going to ask you about that. Have you guys, because I know he addressed the team, he addressed the defense, of course. Have you guys had an opportunity to have many one-on-one conversations with him, or has he just been so busy that that stuff will just take place a little bit later on? No, uh, yeah, he's definitely uh, he's definitely made an effort uh, to interact one-on-one with all the players on our team, right? Not just, you know, the defensive guys only. Um, and so uh, it, it has been cool, you know, and just those those moments just to talk to him and get to know him and uh, just kind of get for a feel for who he is. And, and so it's been a lot of fun. When he was a, a guest on BYU Sports Nation, he was asked about what he wants the defense to look like. And he kept talking about he wants it to be an attacking defense. He wants to be able to attack, attack, attack. I got to imagine, you know, being on the, the defensive line, hearing something like that, that's got to be music to your ears. Yeah, it is. 150%. <laughs> I like the I like the words he's been using to describe the the defense and and I'm really excited. Um, yeah, that that gets me <clears throat> super excited just for our defense and style of play. And so, uh, yeah, just be able to go get after offenses. Before we look ahead to the bowl game, let's go back a little bit just to the season. How would you characterize this year? Maybe from a personal standpoint for yourself, but also from a team standpoint. Yeah. Um, it was a battle, you know, all year. Uh, you know, there wasn't a there wasn't a single game where we didn't, you know, have to come out and and play, you know, as our best and give our best effort. You know, it was it was just a battle all year long, and uh, we had, you know, we won some, we lost some, uh, we struggled, you know, here and there. But uh, overall, I think it was a really good year for the team. I think, uh, you know, there's there was a ton learned. Um, there's a lot of experience, uh, you know, given to younger guys on our team, which I think is important. And so, uh, you know, overall, yeah, it was it was a battle, but uh, it was, you know, it was a good year. And how can how, how bad can it really be when you're out there playing football? You know what I mean? So that's right. Grateful for that. Well, look, I mean, we, when you're when you're battling and you're you're having all these games that you're having to fight and claw. I guess one of two things, or maybe even a, comp- a combination of both, you know, it, it, it can either, it can either wear a team down or it can build character. And again, maybe it's, maybe it's a hybrid of both. How do you think you guys handled it? Did it, did it drag you down or, or did it build character as the season went on? I think, like you said, it, it was both uh, just in different moments, right? You know, when we, when we, you know, lost to Oregon, that was, that was really tough. Um, and then, you know, the month of October, you know, you lose one game, lose another game. Uh, you know, and then we, you know, we lost two more after that. That was, that was really tough. Uh, and so it was agonizing, but at the same time, I think it's just, yeah, it's made us a much better team. I think it's, there was a lot of growing that happened there. And so uh, as hard as it was, I think it's going to help us next season and the year after and the year after, right. Um, as those guys, you know, kind of remember what we went through and, uh, and are able to still use and draw from that experience. So, so let's talk about the bowl game. How has the bowl prep gone as you get ready for uh, the matchup with the Mustangs? Good, yeah. Just you know, back uh, back on the field, practicing back in pads. Um, it's it's been really good. It's been really good. So I know the coaches always talk about you know they really want to you want to go to the bowl game because obviously that means you have a successful season and whatnot. But they always talk about wanting those extra practices. Are, are the players as keen on being excited for the extra practices at this point of the year? You know, maybe not the extra practices per se, um, but uh, just yeah, the, another opportunity to go play football. Right, um, that's something we don't get tired of. You know, you just get to go play and have fun and and hang out with your guys and. And so we're, we're really excited. We're really excited. What do you make of this 
SMU offense, really good quarterback, explosive offense. They are going to be down their best receiver, but obviously, you know, they've, they've got other weapons. What, what stands out to you about this, uh, this SMU offense? Yeah, just like you said, they're explosive. Uh, and, and they have, they have an identity, right. As an offense, uh, you said it, uh, it's just, they are, they're, they're going to come out and they're going to run it and they're going to sling it and they're going to get after it and try to put as many points up on the board as they can. Um, and, and they've proven successful, right. Uh, you know, throughout their season and doing that. And so, um, I'm excited. We're excited for the opportunity to, to play that type of offense and, um, just take, yeah, everything that we've learned throughout this season and, and, you know, put a, a, an even better product on the field uh, for this bowl game. So we're super excited. Well, and I know that the way that the bowl game ended for for the team last year, that that's not the way you wanted to end the season. And regardless of what bowl you're in, you want your last game to be a, a, a victory so you can take that confidence and momentum into the offseason. Is that how you guys are looking at it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, throughout this season, I've mentioned a couple times, uh, you know, we've, we've had statement games, right? Games that we're going to go out there and make a statement uh, and, and this is just another one of those games, right? We, uh, we need to go make a statement. Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Where we're playing or who we're playing. Um, but it's just a game that we need to go out there and, and we need to play, you know, at, at our highest level, you know, the best we can and, and yeah, end the season and on a really strong note. How are you personally? And I'm sure every guy is going to handle things differently. But this time of year, you know, it's guys that are kind of deciding if they're going to play in a bowl game, if they're going to maybe sit things out and get ready for a pro career. Obviously, the transfer portal is now involved heavily. Um, how do you handle seeing guys maybe enter the portal and and guys that you've kind of went to, to battle with? How do you handle seeing that happen? Um, yeah, you just, you know, I want the best for them. Yeah. Uh, and so and so wherever they can find success, you know, like you said, we have been to battle together and, and we've, you know, we've been through a lot together. And so, um, you know, I love those guys, you know, any, any of our guys that, that hit the transfer portal, I've, you know, nothing but love for those guys and, um, you know, hope they succeed wherever they end up. And so um, at the same time, it is, you know, a little sad, you know what I mean? To, to lose those guys. Um, but, you know, it's an opportunity to bring some more guys on and, uh, and, you know, kind of keep, keep what, their players that have left, you know what I mean, and are leaving, you know, what they've left behind, keep that rolling forward and just keep improving. You know, we've spent so much of this year talking about this being the last year as an independent. Everybody's so excited about making the transition to the Big 12. We're finally at the actual last game as an independent. Is it crazy to think about that? I mean, do you, have you even given much thought of that? Um, honestly, no, but now that you mention it, yeah, that is uh that's wild to think about. Yeah, this is the last game that we'll play um, outside of a conference for who knows how long. Uh, that that's you know that's weird, but uh, but exciting. Yeah, yeah, again. So so what are you what are you most looking forward to heading down to Albuquerque? Um, you got you got the game. You got the you got the swag that's coming your way for all the bowl games. What's what's got you most excited about this matchup? As as you guys get ready to head down there this weekend. Yeah, um, clearly the game, right? Get to go play, yeah, one more time uh, with the guys and uh, just, you know, have fun playing football. Um, I have a sister down in Albuquerque, uh, and so I'm excited to go down and, you know, see her and and have her at the game. That's going to be really cool. Um, and honestly, yeah, just to to cap this season off and, and just, you know, make it an even more memorable season by, yeah, beating SMU and just, yeah, really, really excited for everything that the bowl game entails. 
All right, Tyler, uh, before we let you go, we'll give you the uh, the BYU Sports Nation karma as you guys head down to Albuquerque to face SMU. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes. It's always a pleasure to see you and to talk to you. Uh, appreciate it, and good luck against the Mustangs. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast Every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.